wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, or maybe you're just doing chores, working around the house, or maybe you're stuck in traffic. If so, any of those things, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness. Because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, HelloFresh and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, Slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is always swimming with the sharks, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, dear audience. That's not, that's, it's the other way. Like I, I, you, I, not me. I'm the guy who operates the drone above the person swimming and is like, there are so many sharks. Oh, I, I would have it on the mind because I just got back from, uh, from Hawaii this week Ooh. of vacation with the family. And um, my, my brother-in-law was swimming with a tiger shark, snorkeling, saw a tiger shark face to face. And I had an amazing experience on a catamaran. Two whales Whoa. basically held us hostage for two hours <laughs> because there's a law in Hawaii that says you can't run your motor when there's a whale within like 20 feet of your thing. And they hung around. They hung around. They were swimming underneath the catamaran all around us. We had to just sit there for two hours until they lost interest in us. It was incredible. The guy who runs the catamaran said he's been doing it for 22 years and he's never seen anything like that. So it was pretty wild. Was Keep pretty wild. your motor not running. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the whale song. Anyway, we have we're you know we're not going to talk about my Hawaii trip, although I could. Uh, we we got lots of video games to talk about. Uh, we got news. We got games. We got uh, you know it's a bit of a lull period, but I think we're gonna we're gonna lean into the lull because we have. Let's be honest. One of my favorite guests uh, back <laughs> with us. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, once again, I'm so excited because DLC stands for done with a little comedy. Because from the kind of funny empire, I guess you have to call it now, <laughs> our friend Tim Geddes is back with us. Tim. It's good to be back, baby. Oh, my God. Thank you guys for having me back on the show. It's been It's been too long. I'll say yes. that. I agree. It's been about a year, actually. You were like with us yeah. last February, so yeah, that was a Kingdom Hearts three review. That's right. And, and you've and done nothing since then. Kind of funny. There's been no announcement. Nothing. Absolutely changed. not. No, <laughs> no, no. Also, yeah, you no. have you literally have uh, revamped body parts. You have new eyes. I got PRK surgery, which is uh, similar to LASIK, and for the first time, I can see, and it is it is crazy. I thought I understood what video games were, and uh, it wasn't until now. <laughs> You're like, I understand. Resolution is an important thing. That's funny. Uh, awesome. Well, let's dive in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. There's a cool group of people hanging out over there. You should join them. Check it out. 
be part of the conversation about games and all kinds of stuff. But Tim, you are our guest. You get first Mm -hmm. pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, okay. I feel like the the story of the week is the the Sony pack situation. But I want to go with the Cyberpunk 2077 GeForce Now stuff because that's more fun. Yeah, it's definitely more positive. Uh, GeForce Now having a having a big coming out party, really big couple of weeks here. A uh, lot of positive reviews, including us on this show, and uh, some negative stuff with things leaving the service, uh, companies pulling out. Uh, I guess they weren't expecting GeForce Now to be so successful or popular, and they're like, "Hey, we could get a piece of that." But one of the very positive things I think we can all agree is that Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is going to come out on launch at launch day and date on GeForce Now. And not only that, we'll support the real-time ray tracing version. So even if you don't have an RTX compatible GPU, you can use GeForce Now to see all of that lovely ray tracing and all its glory if you are one of their uh, subscribers, one of their uh, $5 a month subscribers. Founder. Yeah, founder. Um, so... Tim, you bring this up, I'm, I'm imagining, because you think it's a good thing. Oh, yes, absolutely. I, this is amazing news, and I, I hope that this is an example of the future that we're, we're going towards. With all the, the streaming services for, for video games, we haven't really seen a success story yet. And yeah. I kind of love that uh, GeForce Now is just kind of coming out of nowhere, it, it feels like. You know, like, we've heard about xCloud forever. We've heard about Google Stadia forever. But here's this thing, just like, oh, hey uh, – we're already doing it and we're doing it right. And it yeah. actually works. That to me is the biggest shock is it actually works. Cause really that's all it has to do for this to be one of the <laughs> coolest innovations video games I've ever seen. Right. Yeah. All it has to do is work. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> true. when they, when they first were showing off the Google Stadia like that, that first press conference and they're going through uh, talking about, you know, the power of the cloud and that it essentially gives you a higher power PC than you already have and all this stuff. It's exciting stuff. The idea to be able to play games in 4k, even without the, the, fanciest, smantiest uh, graphics card is extremely cool and extremely promising and could work. But so far, it's proven it hasn't worked. But the idea of GeForce coming out so far, impressing people and making uh, power moves like this with Cyberpunk, like that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we saw over a million people signed up for GeForce Now on their free plan, um, which is pretty great. I mean, I think that's a, a pretty awesome footprint for people jumping on uh, an unproven service right away. And I think it'll only grow from there. Um, and the negative side, which I want to ask you about, Tim, is this this thing about you know Bethesda pulling out stuff, uh, Activision Blizzard pulling out games, some things being removed from the service. Uh, they say there are 1,500 plus games in the pipeline uh, that they can expect, you know, just in the in the short term being added to the service. But I can imagine some people seeing games getting, you know, yanked and and companies. Th- there's some weird messaging around the Activision Blizzard thing because mm-hmm. Nvidia saying it was like a it was a misunderstanding. Did you what do you the, make of all that? Did you see the follow up to that too? Where um, after the misunderstanding. Uh, piece went out when GeForce put out that thing talking about the million uh, people signing up and like towards the end of the statement it was like throwing a lot of shade at yeah. Activision like indirectly like not naming them but being like yeah hey you know this thing's working really well so some people that are gone they'll probably be back and it's yeah. just like damn it's like that though yeah um, yeah it was it was a lot of that 
we all, you know, there are, there are games that leave, but there's, you know, there's always a chance they'll come back. Exactly. You know, like, yeah, yeah. And look, here's the thing, man. It's not even the future we're looking at. It's the present. You look at Netflix and Disney Plus, and I feel like that's been the biggest example of, you know, streaming services kind of on the video side came in and changed TV. They changed the game. You look at Spotify, it changed uh iTunes and I look at iTunes, it changed music, right? These things are going to constantly change and it requires kind of that baseline to be set. I think Netflix is a perfect example of that. But then Disney Plus comes along and all of a sudden, you know, the Marvel movies and Star Wars movies are going to leave Netflix and that's a big deal. And oh, HBO Max is here now. So Friends is gone. And it's unfortunate for the end user because that means they need to pay for many, many more services. However, uh, it's just the the fact of the matter is that's how things are going to be. That's how things currently are in every other form of media. And all the video game companies are literally just trying to look at that model and just be like, all right, how do we get our slice of that pie? And there's going to be more streaming services than less. And why is Activision doing this? Because they want to do their own streaming service. Yeah. I mean, I think the difference there from my perspective is, you know, Disney waited until pretty close to when Disney plus launched to yank their stuff. Oh yeah. And it feels like these companies are preemptively doing it without having an alternative to offer their games in that way. And I think that's it's a bit of a bummer to mm-hmm. just the the get the acceptance of this technology and the people people thinking of it as an, a viable way to play games. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I just feel like you know Activision doesn't need to care, and it's like that's the not <laughs> so true. Fun. It's the not yeah. fun side of it, but it's just like you know they. They can kind of see GeForce and uh, Amazon whenever they do their thing, and like all these other guys that like, kind of launch their products, and like they can kind of like have the learnings of of the where everyone fails, where everyone succeeds, probably even more so. Um, but I guarantee that Activision is going to figure it out. And you bringing up the Netflix, you know, having the stuff until Disney Plus like finally launched. I do think that we will see a situation like that. And Activision might not launch their own thing, but they're definitely going to figure out who to partner with uh, that will maximize their their money profit yeah Yeah. uh christian i know you are all in on the streaming future uh, in general and spoke very highly of geforce now in particular uh, on the show a few weeks ago what do you make of all this stuff i mean there's there's definitely the good as tim brought up with cyberpunk 2077 and some of this other maybe bad that is other games being pulled and companies being a little skeptical or, or hesitant to have their full libraries available to NVIDIA for the service. What do you make of it? I'm out. Where Bethesda goes, I go. You know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> hey, they left uh, Youngblood, they left Wolfenstein on there. Okay, so I'm in, just for you. Um, I'm in just for you. Um, I think Tim made a lot of great points. And, and I do think, you know, streaming TV, I used to do this old character sketch back at UCB back in the day. And it was funny then. And now it's just a sad reality where I was the next big tech guru. And I was presenting something, and I forget what it all said now, but the acronym was C-A-B-L-E. And it was one place to watch all your shows, one convenient bill. Like, you know, we're getting to the point where everything is bifurcated again, that the idea of cable sounds great because <laughs> you yeah, just right. want the stuff. And, um, you know, we're there with streaming already. We're Peacock, CBS, HBO, HBO Max, Netflix, Disney Plus. And you just kind of want to watch your the things, right? The shows. And I think video games will likely go that way, at least for a lot of these big dog, 
you know, tier publishers, the Activisions, um, EA. Bethesda, EA, uh, Microsoft, Sony, stuff like that. I would say, I mean, Nintendo is of that tier of publisher, but they're not going to be <laughs> entering the yeah. streaming race. Well, I mean, look, they already kind of did, right? I mean, in in a way with uh, the Switch Online, sure, it's just their replacement for virtual console. But, you know, on the console side, that kind of is one of the closest things we have to this, where this Netflix type model of you have the thing, you get the games. Well, right. Yeah. They, they have that side of it. They're doing the catalog, which Game Pass is, and, and PlayStation Now are doing also. But Nintendo's isn't is is streaming, right? Like the, oh, yeah. No. You're yeah. downloading those games. But I think, Tim, you made a good point about Spotify also, which I think is interesting that in the music space, music has been disrupted uh, in, in a large way. First iTunes and then Spotify, Apple Music, uh Google Music, YouTube. whatever they call theirs now. You know, but, people don't people don't think about YouTube as a source of yeah. uh, listening to music, but it is one of the most popular. Yeah. Oh yeah, in fact, that's the biggest use of YouTube. Is, yeah, is listening to music, which is, but, which is well, baffling to me. Haven't seen yet in music, and that we are seeing in these other areas are labels spinning up their own services. Like, yes, there's title, but it doesn't seem as common, right? It's not like Universal. No, I think Commons on there. no common's too busy on microsoft exclusively pitching ai (laughs) and doing great opening ceremonies for this year's nba all-star game um but you don't see like music hasn't splintered that way and it feels like Mm -hmm. games is is splintering and and tv has splintered and i'm curious which route games take like project x cloud is another one ios code i'd love to have on microsoft um i really like on android and i think it works really well but it is like anything else uh video games so often live and die or consoles on their exclusives and i think we're moving into that territory now we're cloud gaming yes it needs to work check step one tim's point is very very salient step two it needs a catalog um and i'm curious how that those catalog wars are going to be fought in the next few years yeah that's that's a big thing there because i feel like the games that matter most to cloud services are going to end up being the the destinies the uh divisions that these games that are kind of like the games as a service because the people that are uh, addicted to playing them just want to be able to play them in as many ways as possible right like whenever wherever right and that's why i think that google doubled down so hard on destiny it just isn't that exciting when there wasn't like a big push with destiny at that point it's like all right destiny 2 is here great it's destiny yeah. 2 you know if it was destiny 3 even if right. it wasn't exclusive i do think that the value proposition there and the, the hype would have been been a lot higher and i think that uh xbox um it's going to be very interesting to watch them they're the ones that i'm most excited about with xcloud because they have game pass they have this new console that they're launching and all of this is timing out perfectly where all they need to do is get the marketing down they need to find out the one way to explain to people this is what xbox is and if they can convince people that an xbox does it's not the box that's under your your TV, it's yeah, if only box wasn't in the title already. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's literally, you know, the ability to play games where and how you want to play them. And their exclusives, we're gonna see Xbox's exclusives. And granted, we can all say what we want about this generation of their exclusives. It's not about that. There, I don't think they will ever beat Sony when it comes to these Last of Us type titles. But I think that with Game Pass and with xCloud, they're going to want to make a lot more games that are kind of like Sea of Thieves, 
and that are smaller titles that they want people to just keep coming back to that are event-based and all that because that's where the real promise of this cloud gaming can be. This is the flip side of, wow, wouldn't it be cool if Cyberpunk had ray tracing and we don't need the graphics card? Because that's the side that I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> well, I mean, we've seen it with with Wolfenstein Youngblood. It's pretty impressive to see the ray tracing on a Chromebook. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, you're not seeing it in 4K, but it's still pretty good. And to, you know, circle this back around to where we started with Cyberpunk 2077, I'm very curious we'll never really know i don't think but i'm very curious what kind of deals uh cd project red has gotten into because they seem to be saying yes to everybody right they're right. gonna they're be on stadia, stadia. yeah, yeah. they're gonna stadia get ray traced or not because it's like google's running a linux or whatever their hardware right. this is like yeah interesting. yeah it's, it's gonna be it's it's really interesting to see that but I, I think it's a net positive and i think you know this is where the whole industry is going and i i think it's it's going to be good for gamers uh, in the long run, and like you said, Tim, it's just got to work. It's just got to work. work, man. And and I, you know, it's it's we've seen it time and time again again in the the industry. Like, look at the Nintendo Switch, man. When they put the Wii U out, it was looking real bad for Nintendo. And I I will never forget the year leading into the announcement of the Switch. There was all those rumors of it's going to be a hybrid uh, console and handheld system, and all of us were like. I don't, how could that work? Like the, right. there's just no way, like there's no way. And then it worked and that's all it had to do. It didn't need 4k. <laughs> it didn't need all this other stuff. It just needed to work on the concept of you can switch from home to on the go. And yeah. they did it. And the first group that figures out the cloud uh, stuff, that's like, Hey, we can explain this to the mainstream concisely and get them hooked on subscribing to this and just make it part of their, c-a-b-l-e lives <laughs> right that's that's going to be the real winner yeah somebody just needed to tell that to google yeah step one google make sure it works oh man Step two messaging both of those i feel like they have not gotten down but anyway and, and i think that google also made such a, a misstep for the industry by having such a poor launch because it leaves such a bad taste in people's yes. mouths for cloud services when yes. we want them to work i hate seeing all the negativity towards it like oh there's no way no way it's like right guys we should want this this is exactly awesome. yeah no you're so right and they were sort of the loudest voice saying mm-hmm. hey we're we're coming in here we're going to do this in a different way and a lot of people were skeptical and then they were proven right. And it's like, ah, oh, no, come on. This is going to happen. You just, yeah, I totally agree. hundred uh, percent. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Did any of you guys get down on this animal crossing Nintendo direct? Because <laughs> I did. And two points before we dive in one, it was a great direct point one. I looked that Nintendo directs. I'd say nine times out of 10 are so well done. They don't overstay their welcome. They give oh, I you. I think sometimes they do. I, uh, I, that would I be my only so. criticism with them is sometimes they're just so heavy on the details. That oh, it's see, just I, like you're yeah. still talking about this one. You're I still talking about Smash, the Super Smash Brothers. I okay. love it. They let you know in advance that this is going to be one game, so you're going to get some nitty gritty, and they give you details, so it feels you know it's like a nice steak dinner, you know. But they don't give you too many. Like there's still questions. You're still excited. It's still tantalizing, and then you're gone. Two. I love seeing the Animal Crossing and Doom fan art community coming together. Oh, it melts it's my heart. It's so great. It's so great. And just like an organic, or if it's not, if it's an I Love Bees, like viral marketing by these two companies, <laughs> hats off, you know? But it seems organic and real. Um, so we'll start, I'll just get those two out. 
But this Animal Crossing Direct, I was already excited for Animal Crossing. And now what they've shown, I feel like it was getting some bad press for like, you can't, doesn't support cloud save. You can't, if you lose your island, your island's gone. All this negative stuff was kind of coming out about the game. That still largely is kind of true. Like Nintendo and Nintendo, the Switch Online, and not every game supporting cloud saves and this, that, and the other is weird. But I feel like this Direct did a, a lot in writing the ship for the Animal Crossing narrative. Notably that you can recover your save. That is just the Nintendo jump through these 10 hoops in order to do it approach. But the things that I'm excited about the game, uh, being able to change the terrain, it's like just baby steps into Minecraft. But I think that looks really cool. And that's the level of customization that was missing on games before. I think that's awesome. Uh, I also think it's really cool that if you get lost, you can just go home. This is rescue, uh, rescue service, which I think is incredible. And I love the fact that, um, you can bring people into your town, but if you don't mark them as best friends, they're not going to mess up your stuff, which is yeah, very way, nice for sure. Have you, yeah. uh, are you guys suing? Over I that, love or? it. I love it, man. It's, it's <laughs> just great, man. We're going to, we're going to run with it for sure. This is a collab. We're going to be as nice as the doom eternal community as well. We're all in this together. <laughs> all right. And then the last thing that I really, really loved about what this direct, what they talked about is their approach to this, uh, holiday content and seasons. Whereas before Animal Crossing had always been a very season-based game, but because of Nintendo's approach to things, all of that stuff was kind of already on the game, which meant it was very hard for people, uh, me, to not just time jump their 3DS and see all that stuff. And now like Nintendo's embracing this online culture, checking in new seasons, mean new events, mean new rewards. So this game, it appears, is going to be updated throughout the seasons for all these new things. And it seems like a really awesome way to bring that classic Animal Crossing experience, you know, into 2020 and beyond. I am very excited. I don't know if either of you watched it or, or got down with like the must knows afterwards, but I, I did not. I am not an Animal Crossing guy at all. Like those those type of games, those like and I mean this in a good way, time waster games are just not my thing. Um, but everyone else at the office thinks I'm a crazy person. Uh, they all got up at 6 a.m. to record a live reacts to it. And I then caught up afterwards on um, all the stuff. I am a Nintendo fanboy and I love seeing Nintendo get things right because lately it's been a lot better. But man, it, you know, there's been a lot of times where I'm just like, what are you doing? And I think the directs, they've been really knocking them out of the park when they do happen. And when they are based on one game, I think that they are allowed to really let that game shine. And this looks like what they needed to do for Animal Crossing coming to Switch. Like, this is such a big moment for the, the franchise. Obviously, it's a huge franchise. Obviously, it's sold super well. But the Switch is kind of like a, a second chance for so many franchises that people might not have played before because they didn't own a Nintendo console in the past. Like, so many new players have Switches. And, like, we see it with things like Fire Emblem. We see it with, you know, these Luigi's Mansion, right? Selling better than it ever has. I think more new players are going to try this Animal Crossing than any other Animal Crossing in the past. And I think that they're making all the right calls to make it modern. What you're talking about, about these seasonal events, like Nintendo's kind of dabbled with that a little bit in like Super Smash Brothers with the the spirit events mm -hmm. that they constantly add. And I, I'm addicted to those. I love Smash Brothers. And I every time they do an event, I'm there. But I got to be honest, it's not the best implementation. I don't always know when one's coming. I need to kind of like pay too much attention. This seems like the type of thing where they have a plan and they're tying it to holidays and 
the internet is going to be so stoked every single time new things are happening and Twitter's going to blow up with, you know, all the fun seasonal stuff. Like this is what yes. Animal Crossing needs. This is the difference between that they were talking about it with the Mandalorian versus the Witcher with like streaming, right? Where like Netflix, most of their shows all at once and it gets a big buzz and Disney plus was doing their traditional weekly cadence. And before animal crossing would come out and you'd hear about all the seasonal stuff because people would experience all of it in the first, you know, two hours the game was out. And now I think smartly Nintendo's going to receive uh, press upticks every season, every time it's kind of like where's Zer this week in destiny, you know, yeah. whatever these yeah. live service games are going to be able to tap into that with the new people getting excited about it and press coverage. Um, I think it's really smart. Yeah. I'm also not a animal crossing guy, so I, you know, I'm not going to play this game, but I, I admire it and I'm excited for people who are excited and, I feel like what you guys are talking about is something I've been thinking about with regard to Nintendo as well, is that they've been flirting with this idea of games as service, the Nintendo way, and they haven't quite done it. I mean, we saw even with um, 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 Splatoon, you know, this idea of of uh, content on a regular cadence and trying to have Splatfest uh, and stuff like yes, that. Yes, all that stuff. Uh, they were they were doing it and they were kind of flirting with it, but not kind of 100% committing to it. And you kind of feel like even... Breath of the Wild could have been that if they really wanted to because the DLC was pretty robust and pretty consistent, but never really got there. And Super Smash Brothers, yeah, there's new characters, you know, periodically, but this feels like the game where they really could go there and have Animal Crossing be a world that feels alive and responsive to the time, you know? Uh, and it'd be interesting to see if they really, really go there. Uh, because I think that could be really an interesting. I mean, the magic of Animal Crossing, as I've understood it from outside looking in, is that it does feel like this place that you visit that changes over time, and you, you know, and you haven't logged in in a while. And things have happened, and cockroaches you- show up. You could just say, "My yes, Jeff. All my old homes are infested with roaches." <laughs> well, you know, the the story from a million years ago. I can't even remember how long ago, but the the story that made me the closest I ever got to really wanting to play animal crossing was that, that story. I'm sure everybody remembers mm-hmm. of the, the, I think it was the dad or mom that passed the mom. away. Yeah. yeah. And the, and the, left them the notes in animal crossing that would come up periodically at certain times. And the, the son or daughter, whoever it was uh, that was playing felt their presence over time. It just felt like a magical thing because it felt like this, this, digital place was alive and still participating in their life. And I feel like that's really what this thing should be or could be, um, you know, if Nintendo really decided to make it that, and it sounds like they're much closer than they've ever been. Absolutely. I hope, I hope they get it locked in because I I feel like they need to get this foundation done of like what makes these service-based things work for, for Nintendo games. Cause Nintendo games have a magic. There's, there's something different about them. Right. And I want reasons to be able to come back and like to have a game be as evergreen as they sell. Like look at Nintendo titles. They never drop in price because they consistently sell. They're consistently people's, you know, first experience with the game constantly. And like it was shocking to me that Mario Odyssey never got DLC or never got real DLC. Yeah. You know, yeah. we never got another world. We got that balloon thing, but that was right. whatever. But like, I'm hoping that they knock it out of the park with Animal Crossing. So then when the next Mario Kart happens, they'll be in a good place where we can like have monthly, like, 
Grand Prix things like right. uh, Crash Team Racing did because that they did it really well. Yeah. Well, you guys have, I think, left me the the story of the week here, which is uh, Tim even referenced it early. The uh, Sony pulling out of uh, pretty much all of the big events in the next few months uh, because of the coronavirus. Uh, they have officially pulled out of PAX East and GDC. They're not alone. Facebook and Oculus as well. Yes, Facebook and Oculus. Uh, and this is based on uh, fears, of, genuine fears about the coronavirus. Um, interestingly, the mayor of Boston, Marty Walsh, wrote a letter to PlayStation CEO uh, Yoshira saying please reconsider <laughs> saying it would be very unfortunate uh, if you didn't come. Uh, he said, uh, quote, these fears reinforce harmful stereotypes that generations of Asians have been worked, have worked hard to dismantle. They trigger our worst impulses to view entire groups of people with suspicion to close ourselves off and to miss out on opportunities and connections from our global city. Uh, our global city provides, excuse me. Um, he says, uh, quote, as a large international company, you have an opportunity to set a good example. As a leader in technology, you can show that you are motivated by facts, not fear. I guess there was uh, one confirmed case in Boston of coronavirus. I mean, this is a real scary thing that is really happening and people are dying from. So you kind of can't fault Sony from that perspective. Uh, but what do you think the ramifications are, Tim, for the industry? The Sony is a... a obviously a major, major part of the video game industry. That's an understatement. Uh, and, are, and are not coming to E3. We know that. And now not going to GDC or PAX East. I mean, I think those are huge tent poles of the year that uh, where, you know, they would be showing upcoming things. You would, they were a playable demo of Last of Us 2. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, and other, and other things. Major thing, man. Last of Us 2, like for them to announce that and then, and then back out, it's that to me shows that, this is serious, like to them. The, this is not something they can waver on. And, you know, that letter from the mayor, I get where the mayor's coming from. But, you know, we, we've been talking a lot this week about this story. And I, I really feel like it came down to not the guys at the top at PlayStation being like, oh man, we just, we, we need to not do this. And I also don't think it's like a, them trying to use this as an excuse to, right. cause something wasn't ready. Like, I think that's some conspiracy theory. Yeah, no, there. that does, that seems ridiculous. Yeah. But I do think that there's people within PlayStation that probably talk to their managers and were saying, Hey, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this. And, you know, PlayStation kind of have to back their employees and, you know, be there and understand the, 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 the fear is real. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it, it's pretty crazy seeing this whole thing happen. Like I'm definitely out of my league to talk about the science of it or to talk about the real ramifications or of anything. But, you know, I, I live in San Francisco and there was a massive, massive Asian uh, population here. And just seeing how the coronavirus has affected my day-to-day -day life in, in, in little ways is really mind blowing to me because I didn't notice it until uh, somebody mentioned like, Oh, this is why. So an example of this is I went to this uh, like shrimp boil restaurant that I go to all the time. And the, the woman there was just like, Oh man, like I haven't seen you guys in a while. And I was like, Oh yeah, sorry. We've just been busy with stuff. Um, she's like, yeah, like no one's coming. Uh, nobody is coming to this restaurant. And I was like, Whoa, like, and she's like, it's coronavirus. Like wow. there's a fear to, to come to uh, Asian restaurants. And I was like, oh my God. Like I would have never thought that even in San Francisco that that would be the case. And she was saying it's even Asian families that 
that there is a real fear about all this. And uh, then later I went to a Chinese restaurant yesterday for, for uh, breakfast and like for dim sum and it was empty. And it's a place that I've gone my entire life and it is popping off on a Saturday. So if it's affecting those type of situations, right, it's going to affect video games in a big way because of where video games are based. You know, I think the thing that's uh, almost more interesting than PAX East is GDC. PlayStation's here. Place GDC is here. It's like it's not like there's travel involved, right? It's so yeah. I don't think it's about the travel, and I don't think it's about oh, there's only one case in Boston. It's about when you get that many people in a room together, something's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, are you you guys? I assume are going to be going to GDC. Are you nervous at all? We are gonna go, and you know, no, and maybe that's ignorance. You know, it's like like I. I like I said, I don't notice it, and it wasn't until people were telling me I noticed the ramifications of it and the you know the things that were going on, but I didn't realize why it was happening. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely a privileged position that like I'm not actively thinking about all this. We've we've been to so many conventions, and you know the Pax Plague, Pax Pox, like, all that stuff. Those are things. You know, it's like you go to Comic Con, you're probably going to get sick when, the next week. Um, but again, that just goes back to you put a lot of people together. Like there's 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 germs, there's you know things in the air. And, you know, are they coronavirus? Probably not. But there's a reality that, you know, it exists. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christian, what do you think about this? I mean, Sony basically absent for all of the big events that we know of the first half of the year. Uh, I mean, do you think that's going to have an impact on their mind share? No, I think it says, uh, you know, there's a couple of things here. One is, I think, as we just talked about how good Nintendo's directs are, in my opinion. I think this says about, you know, the reach that you can have without being there and pressing flesh. I think that is still a great way to do things, shaking hands, meeting people face to face, having in-person meetings, giving journalists hands-on time demos with games or running through, you know, even pre-alphas and stuff like that. I think a lot of that is valuable, but you can see if not all of that success, a lot of that success in other ways still. And so I think we're seeing the the effects of that. And I think to this coronavirus, again, as you said, Jeff, this is very, it is serious. Uh, you should wash your hands often. You should not put your hands in your mouth, uh, you know, and stuff like that. But I feel like you were talking directly to me right then because my hands are in my mouth. I was, I could see you. <laughs> to, to put this into a little bit of perspective, and if we're still early with where coronavirus is, um, I believe there's maybe 4,000 deaths on this. Don't get me exactly right in the world, which is a lot and tragic, absolutely tragic. I'm not trying to discount it. I believe last year in the United States, over 10,000 people died of the flu. Yeah. And people are very flippant. About, like, I don't get the flu shot. It gets me sick. 10, 000, over 10,000 people died for the, in I think it was the 2018 2019 flu season almost 65,000 people died in the world right. uh like a three quarters of a million were hospitalized like yeah but you're fighting you can't fight drama with facts you know what I'm <laughs> well what I'm trying to say is you should already not be putting your hands in your mouth and you know sanitize throughout these conventions and stuff like that. And the coronavirus is a very real fear, but it does feel to Tim's point uh, initially. And I think to the, the letter you read from the mayor of Boston as well, Jeff, a lot of this is, I think um, 
stereotypes or misconceptions about this idea of it's fear mongering and it feels because you don't know it and it's new and whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like if Sony was willing to go to GDC in the middle of flu season or PAX East during flu season, and this year's is really bad. Well, I think it's a little, I think it's a little indelicate to say it's fear mongering on the part of Sony. No, 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 no. I mean, just everything. Not, not on part of Sony. You're correct. Thank you. I don't mean on part of Sony, but I mean everybody. Like it's like a new thing. So we're scared of this other that comes from another country. You know, it's, it's, it, it is scary and it's a real thing that you should protect yourself against. But I do think that there are serious negative, um, repercussions coming with how culturally, people are, are handling this as well. Yes. All of that is true. All that is true. Uh, but also, uh, you know, if you do a little bit of reading about the coronavirus, it's a pretty scary uh, projection of what could happen. And it, it dwarfs the flu, <laughs> you know? Uh, yes, you're correct in that w- what has happened now is, is a drop in the bucket compared to the flu every year. But I think the, 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 the fear is that we have no idea what this thing is or how to contain it or how to treat it. And, uh, if it really took off, there are projections that it are pretty scary. So I think people's caution is justified. And I think Sony's caution here from from one perspective you could really laud it and say you know i think i think tim's probably right that this came from from the bottom up and people saying hey i i'm a little worried about all the travel we're going to have to do as a company here with the way this works and yeah you know you know you don't want to lean into fear and you don't want to you know be unduly uh, afraid and unduly um cautious to the to the detriment of uh life and living uh, but I kind of understand, you know, I kind of understand what, what's going on here. And I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be like SARS and the bird flu before them where everybody got all roiled up and hot and bothered. And then, you know, it got contained and no one, it, it, it becomes a butt of a joke. And I hope that. Or we can come up with a vaccine and, and yeah. inoculate for it, but it is, it is serious. And, and please people wash your hands. Yeah. And don't your thumbs too. Your don't forget to wash your thumbs. People never, I always see people not washing their thumbs. Really? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Wash your thumbs. How do you not wash your thumbs? Is that a thing? People just wash their hands without washing their thumbs. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I'm going to be looking for that now. Yeah, that's yeah, that's weird. Look for that. Wash your thumbs. <laughs> the thumbs wash are what touch. That's why everybody gets sick at packs. No one's washing their thumbs, and that's what and, you play and games thumbs with. Where the buttons and, and sticks are. Dang, we solved it. <laughs> the thumbs are destroying us all. <laughs> all right. Uh, I want to thank uh, our first sponsor, and that is Squarespace. Oh my goodness, do I like Squarespace a lot? I've been wait, using wait. it for. If I wanted to start a website that was washyourthumbs.com. Yeah. That's what we would do. If you want to go, we should, we should start that. Wash your thumbs dot. What? Dot com <laughs> slash net slash. Hi, Tim. Thanks for being here. <laughs> you know that, you know that, uh, that Squarespace offers uh, domains. You can get domains through Squarespace and they, you can choose from over 200 extensions. So maybe we should check out the extensions and find out the best extension. It'd be funny. Uh, listeners, you should send us the best extension for wash your thumbs. Wash your thumbs dot now. Maybe dot thumbs. <laughs> dot, dot thumbs. <laughs> dot every day. Dot every time. Uh, anyway, that, so yeah, Squarespace. You can you can buy domains. You can you can uh, choose from over two hundred extensions. You can build websites. And if you're going to build your wash your thumbs dot today, 
website, there's no better place to do it than Squarespace because it's easy. You can make it yourself. You don't have to hire somebody. You don't have to pay. You have to learn HTML or pay somebody that already knows HTML. You just use their tools. It's all what you see is what you get, drag and drop. Super simple. I've been using it for a dozen years. JeffCanada.com built and housed on Squarespace. Love it. Nick Scarpino built kindoffunny.com with it. And if Nick Scarpino could do it, Literally right. one can. <laughs> he is terrible at everything, right? <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Uh, yes, yeah, so you should check it out. You can just build your website. You can you start with this awesome template that's made by professionals, and then you just start making it your own. Move stuff around, drag and drop things. It's so simple. You can even do e-commerce. If you want to sell stuff, just drop the plug in, turns into a store. It's amazing. Plus, they've got 24-7 award-winning customer support. They've got uh, free and secure hosting. They've got built-in search engine optimization. And there's never anything to patch or upgrade ever. It's all handled in the background for you. Do it yourself. Make it easy. And what you should do if you have to, if you want to make your, your thumbs website, go over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. Then you can build your website there. You don't even have to put in a credit card or give them any payment information. You can just start using their tools immediately. You have a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch your website, Use the promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word, and you'll save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Again, squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me for 10% off. All right, I, I want to do one more quick story uh, because this is fascinating to me. Uh, I didn't put it in the doc, but... Oh, cool. So, great. No, it's Here's fascinating. the biggest it, it, story. You guys no, you'll get it. don't know anything about it. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's simple. It's simple. Uh, so um, uh, John Ebinger, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, tweeted that, uh, you know, the, the Mass Effect trilogy before Andromeda uh, allowed you to be either Paragon or Renegade, right? Yes. Uh, he tweeted that something like 92% of Mass Effect players were Paragon. And that shocked me. Shocked me. <laughs> it also kind of heartened me. I went all Paragon. I kind of thought, I thought there were a lot more people that wanted to be bad boys or girls. I thought more, I thought Renegade would be a much more popular than 8% of people that played Mass Effect. So I just wanted to check in with you guys. Tim, what do you think of, this? think of this? First of all, do you play good exclusively? Do you play bad exclusively? Do you flip-flop back and forth game to game with the games that offer you the morality system? Yeah. And secondly, uh, do you think this is like kind of good news that people just want to be good? <laughs> I kind of feel like it's it's a good news, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I tend to go good uh, for no matter what the game is. With You know, I get spicy every here and there with some decisions. But for the most part, I, I stay good. But I, I feel like a lot of this has to do with just the type of game Mass Effect is. Like, I feel like a Star Wars game, people might be a little bit more tempted to the dark side based on what they mm. know of the dark like there's already like right, a, it's cool it's cool and there's something there and like people already know you know whereas like with mass effect i i guess uh, i'm not surprised by this but it, it's very interesting like i i love little things like this like years later <laughs> getting stats yeah. but you know i do i do think that it's a, it's a good sign you know but i also feel like the the wanting to be a bad boy thing i, I feel at the end of the day when people are playing these games like for the most part I think the games are designed better for the good side than the bad. Interesting. Interesting. So you think it's more about people just thinking, oh, it's probably going to be a better experience. Overall. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things that I, I pointed out at the time with Mass Effect that I still believe very strongly is that I think one of the reasons for this is that they really didn't make it uh, structurally. They didn't incentivize you making individual decisions in the moment. 100%. They, they incentivized you go- saying, I'm going to play Paragon and I'm going to go 100% Paragon because I get points. And the more points I get, the more cool stuff I get. So once you decide to go either Paragon or Renegade, you have to be all in on those games rather than making actual granular decisions as you go. And I think that's a, actually a flaw in those games from my perspective. Hmm. And they so, were also yes. literally color-coded, right? Like it wasn't right. like, oh, I answered that one wrong. <laughs> I didn't get the point. It was like, yeah. this one, pick this one. <laughs> yeah. No, it's much more interesting. We have those personality tests when they're like, you know, you meet a man in the woods and he offers you his his coins. Uh, do you take it or do you, you know, it's more those like morality plays where you're like, I kind of see both ways. Not so with Mass Effect. Mass Effect is like, do you slaughter everyone or do you give him some of your food? You know, it's like, it's, it's pretty clear cut. Um, but if I think if I were to have been asked this question without seeing the story of, you know, what percentage would you think? I would probably guess it would be more like 60, 40 or 70, 30. Hmm. 92, 8 just seems. Yeah, 92 really is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christian, bad boy extraordinaire notorious bad boy uh what do you make of this i think this story sucks and i think it's stupid and i think <laughs> um i'm hype williams 90s p diddy videos my whole life um uh, bad boy for life um <laughs> uh martin lawrence will smith um it makes sense to me I, I i agree with you that i think it's a higher percentage than i would have guessed you know if i just was making picking a guess out of the hat or whatever out of the blue but I agree with Tim. I, I think the games are, I don't know if the content is necessarily better, but I feel like the games are premised around you saving the world or saving the universe. It's like, yeah, it's do you want to be a, do you want to be a douchebag about it? Or do you want you know, like you're, you're saving the universe either way. Do you, yeah, you want to be kind of you know fun to be around or, or yeah. not? I think if the game was like take over Gotham, not Gotham, you know, cause that's clear, whatever, but it's like city ruler and you could be a crime kingpin thing or a, a hero. I think then it might be a little more ambiguous, but even in like infamous where I, I did play, um, I did a replay as, um, mean Cole, maybe infamous too. Um, cause I, the, I wanted to play with some of those dark side powers cause they were really neat, but the story is still like you kind of redeeming and saving and fighting up, fighting back against these things that I personally, in, in many of these games, find that they motivate the small instances of like, you know, the fictitious one you give of like, you know, feed a thousand people, kill a person or whatever. Um, those sometimes instances are, are justified, but the larger ones I feel like rarely are, where it's like, you took all this for yourself and saved the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And sometimes they do have like dark endings, but it still feels like, I don't know, if I'm really this bad guy, I reach out to the other bad guy and I'm like, Hey, let's rule this together, you know, or something. Yeah. And I think games are getting better at that. Someone in the chat mentioned fable. I think was it fable two. Um, was it one of the fables? I think it was fable two was a good example of this back in the day. And I think we are seeing gray area, um, storytelling, making a, a, its way back into games. I think much like 
uh, games have moved away from bright yellow highlighted paths to climb mm-hmm. um, in adventure games or exploring games. Yeah, we're it's, seeing, it's dulled yellow. It looks like somebody <laughs> dropped some paint. It's real world. You know, it's the difference between <laughs> uh, a fan-made uh, movie and a real movie is that they weather the costumes. That's the difference. <laughs> right. um, we're seeing weathered questions, and I, I like that. Even um, well, but I would say back in the day when they were both coming out at a pretty consistent clip, I always favored Dragon Age because I felt like that game was about shades of gray and it was about individual moments where I'm like, oh man, both of these dwarf communities make really solid points. Which one do I, I'm going to set my controller down and think about it for a second because I don't know who I'm going to screw over here because they both, there's no clear cut way for me to be the good guy. And I always Mm. appreciated that because it actually made me think about what I was doing. Whereas in Mass Effect, it was like, you are going to do be virtue man or complete a hole. You know, it's like, it just felt less interesting because I wasn't actually making a decision. I was just like, yeah, I want to be good. You're min maxing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, All the right, power well, I- of the cloud, well, we won't have to. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, that's my thing with like cyberpunk, man. I'm so excited for that because I feel like that's going to be a game that is going to actually incentivize you to kind of be more on the bad side. Yeah. Um. So I'd, it'd be interesting there to see like what the storylines look like if you want to be a good person. Yeah. This is well, just... that's the other thing that's interesting about his tweet was that he was like, "Yeah, we put a lot of work into the Renegade side, and only eight <laughs> percent of the people played it." I, yeah. I this is just a a random mid year prediction. I think there might be a chance that in Cyberpunk, you're kind of just a person. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, like The Witcher, you're The Witcher, and. You know, you, you have a, a sort of a role larger than yourself. I think that the world they're building, you could just be like, not a peon, but just like part of it. You know, does that make I'm sense? For it, man, I, I hope yeah. that's the case. That sounds rad. I mean, I think you're going to do some grand things. I don't think you're going to. I think, yeah, yeah, but I don't think I don't know if it ends with you like on top of the building, looking out at your empire. I think it, you still might be like on floor four. You know, I mean, I it's know. not called Cyber King. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure, <laughs> Cyberpunk. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a little segment we call The Playlist. Tim and Christian, before we started recording, we were both talking about, we were all talking about the kind of weird place games are in right now because everything that was supposed to be coming out right now and in the next couple of months has been pushed so there's this big empty space, right? It's it's weird, man. It's uh, you know, I feel like the end of 2019, we were all so excited and talking about 2020 is going to be the biggest year in video games. Like all of this stuff's happening, and you, you, we all know the titles. We know what's happening this year, but to see them all slowly get pushed back, and then also, I just feel like in terms of announcements, nothing's really going on. Yeah, it's all the news is kind of just delays or coronavirus stuff like nintendo they did the animal crossing direct but we've known animal crossing is coming out we don't know what nintendo games are coming out this year like we just don't so i feel like it's it's a very weird quiet time for games but that allows me to go back and just just play what i want to play i don't have to play anything to be part of the zeitgeist conversation (laughs) i can just have some fun and that's why i've been playing super mario brothers 3 it was the 30th anniversary and i'm like you know what i'm doing it i'm playing through the whole thing i'm not using warp whistles i want to play every single level and man what a fun time it was what did you play on uh the switch 
Oh, cool. So you're even playing it in kind of a new way. Yeah, I haven't I haven't done that yet. I mean, you know, it's the same game, but uh right. it, it was it, it's fun. It's you know, I mean, obviously classic, one of the best games of all time, but um I I, I played through a lot of that and it, it holds up so well, man. Like the the, the magic you- of Mario 3 is the levels are just so bite-sized and everyone introduces some fun new element, something different, and they're all over in like 90 seconds max. Like some of them are like 45 seconds, you're done. Not when I was a kid, man. Yeah. <laughs> Not when I was a kid. Uh, but did you have – did replaying it now, did it change its ranking for you in the Marios? Did you have a ranking of the Marios and did it – you know, has it reshuffled any of that for you? So I absolutely have a ranking and I've lived my Thank entire you. Everyone life. Everyone does. Exactly. <laughs> you got uh, to. I've lived my entire life swearing that Super Mario World is – superior and me too in, in, in a lot of ways it is <laughs> uh, i feel like the physics and just the way mario feels in that game is just it's perfect it's how he should feel um and i feel like i i really appreciate that game's openness and it's the opposite of what i just said the levels are bigger there there's a lot of adventure there's a lot of secrets there's you know so much elements that i really truly it goes love up like mario. 10 screens and you have yeah. no idea when you start <laughs> exactly yeah. um but man I, I think I, now I need to replay Mario World because, like Mario Three, I after just beating it, I can't fathom an argument that it's not the best. Wow! <laughs> and like that, this after thirty years of my life thinking one thing. <laughs> well, I wonder if it's the best or the most recent. You know, it's like the most recent in our minds because I'm I'm I, it's I can't say I'm replaying Mario World because I'm playing it with my son, so it's a lot of fits and starts, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot uh, of fits. Yes, definitely a lot of fits. Fits of, I don't want to play more Mario. Um, my son is th- three and a half. Okay, okay. And uh, he, he, this is his first. I decided that if we're going to, if I was going to introduce him to video games, I wanted to start with some of the classics. Like he doesn't know any better. He doesn't know to want better graphics or anything like that. So I know he texted me that he's ready for doom eternal. So he's like, where's that ray tracing? He's like, tell my dad to turn on the ray tracing immediately. Um, no. So we, you know, I had the, SNES mini and hooked that up to the TV in the living room. And so we've been playing stuff on that and um, it just revisiting super Mario world in that way. I'm just like, this game is so perfect. It's so good. Uh, even though my, my son is like, no daddy, I want to go down all the, the, the pipes. pipes. I'm like, you can't go down all the pipes, only yeah. certain pipes you can go down, but daddy, I want to try. No, I'm telling you, you can't go down. The- okay. All right. We can just squat on a pipe for 20 minutes. It'd be fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is, it is great great game tim can i ask you a question that i hope doesn't get you in trouble uh and apologies if it's already had been covered and i Mm -hmm. don't know the answer what controller and what did you put your thumb on to play mario 3 on switch uh the 8-bit though pro controller that they have the yeah do you know 8-bit though (laughs) yeah yes go ahead yes i do fantastic controllers did you use the D-pad or they go down to the analog? Oh, D-pad. There, there, okay. There's one okay. that they sell. There's one that they yes. sell that the D-pad's like on top. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the. It's like that one is similar to a DualShock in terms of its exactly its layout. Because um, I found myself, I will now throw myself under the bus some. So I have a Hori attachment um, for my Switch that has a, a great D-pad on it as well. And then when I play docked, I'm oftentimes using the Pro Controller, and I don't know what it is. I think it's like years of training of like the default being the analog where I go back to play these old games and it won't be to like level four that I realize I'm using the analog still. Oh, interesting. I've had that happen to me as well. I, I notice it for the first time and it's not an old game, but 
you'll get where I'm saying this, Celeste. Um, yeah. I played through the entirety of Celeste using the analog stick, and it was something about Whoa. the diagonals of that game. They just worked better for me using the analog. And then when I went, when the Switch Online came, yeah, there was a long time where it's like it it would just stick with me where I'm like, whoa, why am I using this? And then I would switch back to the D-pad. But it's not that bad. <laughs> it, no, no, but it's like I feel like I played this mental chess. I might have talked about it on this show, Jeff. Let me know if I did. When I was playing uh, the game whose name I love to say, Scourge Bringer. Um, <laughs> And I was playing on my Xbox Elite controller, and when I started playing, I sat down, I have the back paddles on, and I'm trying to get into that flow. And I sat down, and I'm playing, and I was using analog and back paddle to play this game. Mm. And then I was like, what? Uh, So you're playing it in 2030. Yeah, you're playing in 2030. And then by the end, I was playing I, D-pad face buttons. I was like, this is that game. Scorchbringer is that game. It's not an analog. And so I feel like... I find myself with retro games, I kind of default to analog. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is an old game. This was a D-pad only. But like your example of Celeste or coming out next month now, the new Ori, like, I don't know. What was that designed for? Well, analog that's or D-pad? Ori, Ori's going to be analog. I, I, I Based on the first game, at least. Like, that's with another the example. and stuff. Uh, yeah, like, I, I definitely, I want that control of the diagonals. Yeah. Yeah, ah, I got to find we should be clarity. playing right now. We should be playing that game right now. I know, I know. We're so close though. We like yeah, we that. Ori is about to like kick off everything, and then there's no slowing down. So we need to enjoy this next week. It's it's the last time we get the chance to to have these conversations. <laughs> okay, so speaking of that, what what other stuff is have you been doing during the lull? Uh, the one other thing that I'll mention is uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. So I watched the movie. Um, have you guys seen it? I just saw it today. Oh, yeah? What'd you think? I thought it was better than it has any right to be. Absolutely. I thought it was actually a pretty fun movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been a Sonic the Hedgehog guy my entire life. I like platformers. So it's like I, I, I'm a Mario guy first and foremost. Like, let's be real. But um, I always feel like the Sonic OG games, the 2D games, kind of got mixed in the shuffle of a lot of the trash that's come out. And people like to talk like Sonic has never been good. That is not true. Um, <laughs> and uh, watching the movie, I was like, you know what? I got that itch. And uh, I was, I've was i been trying to play Sonic Generations, which is super overlooked. One of the good ones from last generation um, that mixes 3D and 2D gameplay and kind of does – it's a greatest hits Sonic game, but it yeah. does all the things the best. But unfortunately, uh, I have an error with my Microsoft account, so I couldn't down like, – it wouldn't let me buy the game. Um, so I couldn't play that one. So I played Sonic Mania through again instead. And what a special game that is, man. It's so you, good. Uh, yeah, okay. There we go. It's like it's there's just so much love and I love the team that they got together to make the game. It it's so rare that we see, you know, those type of retro sequels come out um and actually have heart in them. So many times it kind of just feels like a cash grab where people are like, "All right, well, we're just going to use these old assets and put them together and put a like slap this on the shelves and it's going to sell whatever it does. Who cares? Sonic Mania wasn't made for that. Sonic Mania was made because this team of people wanted to make the best Sonic game of all time. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does seem like a labor of love. I know Christian, you were going bananas for it too. Yeah, it, it is. And it, and it does that. And I am first to say, I am guilty of Sonic generations, just skipping it or missing mm-hmm. it. Um, you skip a generation. That's that- what they always say. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to look that up after this. I think it's on PC as well. So I'll probably purchase it here in mere moments. Um, it is. And it's also on a, it's enhanced for Xbox one X. So you can play it in 4k. Okay. 
I don't know if I'll need to play it in 4K, but, <laughs> uh, but Mania, it, it also is, you know, it is remixed, right? Where it's like the classic version or like a level you know or remember and then the new take on it and spin on it. And it is, it's it's one of the best games of the last, you know, five years in terms of platformers specifically. And I love the way Sonic and Mania, Sonic 1, 2, 3, Sonic CD, like that ilk, a Sonic game, it it forces you into thinking that you want to go fast. And you you don't always, like it punishes that thinking. Yeah, but then you, it gets you, you back into don't. a long, like, loop, loop twist. And you're like, yeah, now I'm feeling it, now I'm feeling it. And then it's like, well, you missed all this stuff. <laughs> It's fascinating game of mine. That that's what my always, always even when I was a kid, that was my frustration with Sonic is like I felt like I'm I, I need to go back and see what I just went zooming past. But there's a thrill to those games as well. I have a maybe I'm the weird one, but I have a soft spot in my heart for Sonic Adventure, like the first Dreamcast. You can play it in uh, dreams. <laughs> yeah, you can play true. it in dreams, dude. You can play. I mean, I'll get to talking about dreams. We should get to that soon, but uh, yeah, I mean. I guess we just go to there now. I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just saying literally someone made it. Lit, that example, someone literally I, made a dream. I, I know, dude. I You've been playing dreams, Christian, right? Have you been playing dreams at all, Tim? I have not, but uh, Greg and Blessing over at Kind of Funny are just addicted to it. I, I'm conflicted about the whole thing, but I want to hear what really? Christian has to say for Yeah, go ahead, Christian. What, so, what, what do you think about dreams? Remember how uh, Scourge Bringer, I can't even still say it. I'm in my Scourge, head. Scourge. Scourge Bringer. Scourge Bringer. Scourge Scourge. Scourge Bringer. Rhymes with urge. Urge. I have the urge to mispronounce Scourge Bringer was uh, the first game of 2020 that made it onto my rolling list of top games of the year. Yeah. Uh, dreams is the second. Mm. I am absolutely blown away by dreams in terms of a staggering achievement for sure it is a staggering achievement and i i know it was out in alpha or beta for a while before and people have had time with these tools but to play the games that i've played made by the community in the short time that this game has been available including the pre-release time i i i'm gonna speak in hyperbole here but i can see a time where Half-Life is made in it. Like to to see where people what people are already well, that'll doing. That'll be like 2 weeks from now. <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah, to see what people are already doing in this, you know, um way to make games, it it's just it fundamentally shifts I think for me personally what's possible to make and what knowledge is needed to make things, and I think it is a staggering achievement both in terms of that level of design and Media Molecule, they, I think they keep proving time and time again that they are some of the most creative, talented developers around. And I, I can all, I mean, Tearaway is one of my very, very favorite games. Um, and I, I, I kind of, I get greedy if I want to see them make a game without also making all of these systems that, that underpin it. Because I'm blown away by the levels that they've made and the creativity they show within it. And then when I think I can't accept what dreams can be or is, I just go, you know, look around through the player created stuff and I am just astonished time and time again, absolutely astonished by what people are making. It's, it's a triumph. It is, it is all that. I won't take any of that away from it. It is incredible. The absolute power that you have to create, you can make anything in it. I let's list off some of the things that we have played. I, 
have to admit I was drawn first of all to the things that were already familiar to me. So I played Super Mario World in it. I played um, uh, Fallout Four. Did you guys play Fallout (laughs) Four? Yes, so good. I can't even. I can't even wrap my brain around what it took. I mean, there's a tutorial. They built a tutorial in their dreams game. Uh, And I mean, it 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 looks and feels like the. When you start it and it starts with that music and the push in that you did when you turned on Fallout 4, I'm like, what? This is crazy. Uh, and it starts instantly in Dreams, right? There's not, there's no lag. There's no loading. It, it's just like all near instant. Um, what else? I played a million things that were based on other things. And that's kind of amazing. And I think that's the first thing people do is like, well, can I recreate something I already Ghost know? Ghost of Tsushima? Yes. That, that one was insane, man. Even weird Unreal. like uh, uh, Motorsport, like Pacific Rim. I saw somebody uh, put a video up of that, and it just looks insane. Yes. Uh, it, it's it's remarkable the power of the tool set. And, I, you know, I said from when it was announced that I hope – I don't see this happening, but I, w- I think the, the real magic could happen if they found – figured out a way to let you – let there'd be some sort of deal where creators can release the individual modules as standalone products that work on PlayStation 4. Well, they need to release it as like a depth, the way anyone can download Unreal or Unity. There needs to be like a Dreams SDK. No, better than that is just build it into the UI of PS5. We've been talking about that a lot. I I think that that is going to happen. I think that they spent this entire generation making this game and everybody was like, what is it? <laughs> like, is it ever going to actually come out? And for it to come out and be getting the review scores that it is, there really is that next level of, okay, what do we actually do with this platform now? Cause it's not a game. It's a platform. Right. It is and a platform. I think that they know that tie it to PlayStation plus tie it to whatever it is. I don't know. But like, I think this needs to be built into the PlayStation five offering. See, I want it untied. I, I want it on PC also. Like, Sony can make money off of all of this, whether it's a 30% cut of every game that's made or, you know, whatever it is. But like, yes, I think it should be baked into the PS5, but I think it should be everywhere. I think you should be able to, this should just be a new way to make games instead of Unity or whatever it is. Like, this is made in dreams. No, you're right. It should it should be something you could go to PS, uh, you know, uh, the PlayStation Store and just scroll over to fan-made games and you could just download them and play them without ever owning dreams. I think... And, you know, I think that would be amazing. And it would just mean there's infinity content for PlayStation. Yes. And that that is the only place that I'm conflicted about this. And I don't want to take away anything of, of what we've been saying because it is an extraordinary product. And it's an extraordinary tool set. The games are look amazing. And they have – there's so much variety just scrolling through the very topmost level of the menu. And you can get real deep in that menu of user-generated You can content, play my favorite even... game on Netflix. <laughs> Scroll. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Uh, but you see a, a level of variety that is just it, – it seems impossible in the same tool set. It's, 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 it's wild. But there is a part of me that feels – like there's a difference between Mario Maker and this in that Mario Maker hinges on a rule set, a, a, a structure that is defined and that works in a very specific way, right? It Mario and or whatever avatar link or whatever avatar you choose to use in Mario Maker 
behaves in a certain way all the time, every time. And it's precise and it's to the specifications of any 2D Mario game you would want, right? All of the items that you can drop in, all of the th- ways you can build a level, they all work just as you would expect them to work if you picked up a brand new Nintendo designed 2D Mario game. And so when amateurs, when gamers are designing levels and uploading levels, they can go as crazy or as weird as they want to, but it will always still feel like Mario. It'll still feel right. Certain you know levels will be broken and bad and poorly designed and all those things, sure. But the best of the best or even the middling of the best will feel like Mario. They'll feel right because all of that's taken care of for them. The bits and pieces, the blocks, the little Lego bricks of design work like they're supposed to work. And you can fit them together in infinite ways and make crazy levels or make bad levels, but even the bad levels feel like they're supposed to feel. Whereas here, because there is so much agency given to the designer, so much power in that tool set to create anything, look and feel isn't controlled and isn't set and isn't a high quality all the time. And I find that I am in awe of the things that I am playing because they were made in dreams. Right. But we're at, we're at time point in time zero. Like you have to agree. You're right. It's going to get even more crazy and better. And, and, and that's the thing. And that's the thing I keep thinking about is even the most, uh, you know, simplistic game you download on steam from a very small design team it's probably been in development eight months, a year, two years. Give people time with this tool set. It's, it's, the stuff is going to get better and better and better and more amazing. And, and no doubt, no doubt. But also that requires a level of commitment that only a few, I don't I'm, I'm, I like the fact that this democratizes game design. And I think that, as I said, Sony should do everything in their power to make this actually about game design and make this actually about people being able to release great things and actually maybe even make some coin on it because that will incentivize people to actually commit to things. Because right now, so much of the content is is amazing, but it's like amazing for dreams or it's an amazing proof of concept or it's amazing like half level or things aren't, they aren't great, but they're good. And that is the only problem I think of giving this tool set and making it infinitely searchable is that you end up, I find myself, this is really what I want to say to you guys. I find myself overwhelmed and underwhelmed at the same time. Hmm. I'm overwhelmed by the amount of stuff and like, what do I even click on? I know there's recommendations and people thumbs up thing things and recommending stuff, but even so much of that stuff that I've clicked on, I'm like, wow, this is really cool, but I, I don't want to spend hours with it. I, I'm looking at it and appreciating it, but I'm not going to play all the way through this thing because it's sort of half-baked. It's impressive, but for what, it's not, it's not more impressive than downloading a new game on Steam. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and, and I'm sort of, so I'm sort of underwhelmed at, as well. And I'm just trying to be honest about how I feel about it. 
And I know it's early days, Christian, but I just, I feel like this problem isn't all going to go completely away. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, going back to what you're talking about with Mario Maker, it's like curation is key. It always is. And I think that even Mario Maker hasn't figured out how to do it correctly, where there's a reason that the Mario Maker community isn't as big as it should be right now. People should be playing Mario Maker 2 and talking about it as if it had just come out. Because every week there should be levels that everyone's like, you need to play these. That's just not how this is. And I I feel like uh, thinking back to Media Molecule with Little Big Planet, like, you know, uh, Jeff, you were talking about you go to the familiar. I'll never forget seeing like the opening of Final Fantasy VII remade in uh, Little Big Planet or like all those different like key moments, the music that you could uh, yeah. watch people play and all that. Like someone did Through the Fire and Flames from Guitar right. Hero, but like in Little the, Big Planet. The, the calculator, somebody made a working yeah. calculator in Little Big Planet. Wild. But I feel at some point that becomes, uh, to your point, like, all right, this is cool and nifty, but – that's not the game. That's not hours of experience that I, I'm going to have. I could just YouTube this. You know, uh, I don't need to play it myself. But I think Dreams is different in that it's not about the hour-long experiences. It is kind of more about the, wow, isn't this crazy we can do this? Because I feel like from there, there will be the all-stars that dedicate their lives to making something dope. Um, yeah. I, I almost feel like the things that I have enjoyed most in Dreams, and again, who knows my experience versus yours as opposed as far as what we played, right? What we downloaded, what we checked out. But I think from my experience thus far, what I've enjoyed the most are the short films, the little animated shorts that people make. Hmm. Um, Because I feel like that is the most, I'm not criticizing the gameplay, you know, per se. I'm, I'm just enjoying the artistry and the storytelling and the creativity as and, I, and maybe that'll change. Maybe that'll change. As I look at the, what I just like the static image I have for Twitch, which is just Twitter pictures. I feel like your current Twitter picture, Jeff, perfectly represents how you feel about dreams. <laughs> like you're looking at it like pretty intently, and you like you you, you appreciate it. But you got one eyebrow raised. You're like, oh, I don't. Know. <laughs> I want to. I just want to love it more than I do. I I admire it. I appreciate it. I think it's incredible. But I find myself today. I was, I had some, you know, time and I, and I wanted to play some stuff and I loaded up the menu and I popped around in a few things and I played stuff for 10 minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes was a rarity. And I, I just didn't feel like it just felt it's, it's a weird thing. We know we were talking about C-A-B-L-E all, all episode as our theme perhaps. Uh, but you know, in th- those days when I could just switch to another channel, I, would often just never watch something, but I would watch everything because I was mm-hmm. just constantly clicking. And that's a little bit how I feel about this. It's not, I don't know. I don't know. I've talked too much. You, you talk, Christian. Well, I think where we started is is where this conversation ends for me. And it's it's an incredible achievement. And Sony needs to do more with it in terms of unlocking it. Because that is where it will incentivize people beyond just hobbyists or tinkerers to put things out because right now you could make something incredible and then you know get noticed or something you can build a portfolio and you can kind of get some tread that way but if this thing comes out as a real way to make games like that you know anyone can play and download and you can make money off of then we're going to see creators spend the time required to fine-tune all of those things you know there needs to be a belief that this thing is around in two years so when you spend two years making a game 
you can release it. And it's not like, oh, no one has dreams anymore. And you're like, but I finally, (laughs) I did the thing. Like those mod teams that are like, we're going to make a mod for Dungeon Siege. And it's like (laughs) two years later, nobody's playing Dungeon Siege anymore. Right. And so I think when you, if you, if you see Sony, if they're the people in charge of this, make that commitment to it. And it does become, you know, more akin to a Unity or Unreal Engine. I think that's when you'll see those, more of those very polished finished styled experiences where more and more now you know you'll see splash screens at the start of games but i'm not necessarily paying attention to the engine the game is made on that's not a determining factor for me if i like the game it's how does the game feel and play and all the other things that go into it and i think that if dreams can become that then it then we'll see that that next step of game design but i think for me personally for me to discount the game because the things that people have made in it in six months or two weeks don't feel as polished as, you know, something else. That's not what I'm coming to dreams for personally. And so I think media molecules levels are incredible and bright and whimsical and and showing bursts of creativity along the way. I think they're fun to play and are really good at their job of, you know, I I don't think I'm ever going to be a hardcore designer in dreams, but I'd be lying if I said that as playing through their levels, I wasn't like, oh, maybe I'll do that. You know, I do like getting me curious and interested in it. And um, well, yeah. let me ask you this question. It's a game of a generation for me, I think. Hmm. Let me ask you this question then based on that is, have you, have you tried the tool set? And if so, how do you feel about the interface? As it's a very different interface than I think anybody else is doing with such a, reliance on the motion control, the, the gyroscope in the dual shock and well, all that I turned stuff. that off. <laughs> oh, you turned it off. I turned it off and I got my move controllers out. Did you really? Yeah. And wow. I am not, I'm terrible. I am because it's not easy. I don't want to dear listeners. I do not think making a game in dreams is easy. I don't want to, it's got to be painstaking to make something like Fallout 4 or, whatever, or any of those crazy. I, I just don't know. I can't even, I, some of those things that I played through, I, I go, I want to get a behind the scenes <laughs> making of, of this dreams game. Yes. How many hours did it take of this person to do this? I'll throw this out. I was, uh, this feels like it's not necessarily in your main wheelhouse, Tim. So please excuse that. I'm not pitching it to kind of funny. Uh, Danny was asking for other things to, to no clip this. I want, I want a vid doc of like the best dreams creators. Like I would, I would watch the crap out of that. Like, how much time it takes and, and what they do um, and how they do it and they how do, they do are it. they using move controllers that's interesting yeah because what i was gonna make and i'm not so danish feel free uh, i'm <laughs> maybe still tinkering but i was gonna just make a dumb dlc the game where it asks a bunch of questions and it's like what do you think about this and you click jeff see jeff's answer and he's like i love it it's amazing and you see christian's <laughs> answer and it's like ah, i'm not so sure there's just gonna be a series of those <laughs> But I wanted to have you like make that. basic little animations in it and stuff, and maybe I will. But it it it's not. You know, it's, we it's need not paint by numbers. You know, I I I we need, here's my pitch to Media Molecule. You, <laughs> okay, the, you need you need <laughs> your next game, Dreams Two, is you got to have the the Idea Man because <laughs> that's what I'll play. I'll be the Idea Man, yeah. and it's a it's an interface where I get to just. Give my idea and then somebody else makes it and they make it quickly and they make it great and they make it exactly how I want it. And then I get all the credit. I love it. (laughs) Idea man. (laughs) Yeah. All right. 
Uh, Christian, uh, I need to interrupt your your <laughs> your playlist now because we're way behind on uh, thanking our second sponsor, which is HelloFresh. Oh my gosh, I enjoy HelloFresh. You've probably heard me talk about HelloFresh, how it's changed my relationship to food and 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 cooking for my family. I love cooking now, and I love the feeling of of making things for my family. And I've said the reasons over and over that I love it, which is, you know, it, they only give you the amount of ingredients that you need. You know, I don't have to think about what it's going to, I'm going to make, but I want to pitch a different reason why you might love HelloFresh. And that is get out of your dinner rut, get out of your meal rut. I bet if you're listening to this and you have to cook for yourself or your family or, or, or you just do the same thing over and over again, if you guys go out to eat every week, <coughs> excuse me, uh, or every night. If you're if you're just doing the same thing over and over, there's probably only what six to ten different places in your immediate vicinity that even make food that you deliver to you. Like, you got to get out of that rut, and that's what you can do with HelloFresh. Twenty two over twenty two chef curated recipes every week that you can choose from, and they're different week to week. It's so cool to have food, to discover recipes, to discover the kinds of things that I like to eat uh, that I would never have had before. I wouldn't have even ordered it, but I found out I loved it because I cooked it for myself. I understood what went into it, what it, how to make it. It's a really cool thing. There's something for everybody. There's, there's, they have low-calorie, vegetarian, family-friendly recipes every week, and more than five um, – have more – more five-star recipes than any other meal kit. Real talk? That's pretty awesome. We were with yeah. friends tonight, and they're thinking about becoming vegetarian or wanting to explore it. And like, but I feel like everything we'd make is just so boring. And I was like, mm-hmm. I have an idea for you. <laughs> it's the best way, in my opinion, to introduce something like that. Because you're not just like, oh, this is the meal I'd have, but just as a sides. Because like, you don't right. know what to cook. And, and it's depressing to to like go someplace where you order food and go, I'm going to order not the food I like. I'm going to order this punishment food for myself. Yeah. yeah. Instead, get hella fresh, get the vegetarian meal plan. And all of a sudden, there's these new, vibrant, exciting meals. Uh, a lot of them you can get on the table in, in about 30 minutes or they have even 20-minute meals in their quick recipe options. And you get the joy of making it yourself. It's awesome. Uh, and all the packaging they use to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable recyclable material. It's great. So here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DLC10 and use promo code DLC10. That's DLC10. You get 10 free meals that include free shipping. That's 10 free meals, including free shipping, when you go to HelloFresh.com slash DLC10 and enter DLC10. Now, I think that that works out to 10 free meals uh, that the, the way that, that your discount is over time. But... It's pretty awesome. Again, HelloFresh.com slash DLC10 and the promo code DLC10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. Pretty cool. Try it. It'll change your life. All right, Christian, what else has been on your playlist? So there's one thing here that I didn't write down that I can talk about in a minute. But what I want to talk about, because it's coming out, it's it's kind of, you know, before um, before Animal Crossing. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX, the way that, uh, you know, a perfect Nintendo name for a re-release. <laughs> yeah, there clear, is a, concise. Yes, exactly. You know exactly what it is. There's a free demo for it in the Switch eShop. 
I found it a little cumbersome to get to where you had to like go to buy the game, like as if you were to buy the game. And then there's a drop, like a menu, a sub there where it's like, tried the free demo. And like, I tried searching for the demo and I couldn't find it. It might just be that I'm an idiot. Maybe it's easier for you. Um, so it is a remake of the 3DS game. GBA, right? Is it GBA? Yeah. Pokemon. yeah if it's, yeah. Yeah. Dang. Okay. Well, Jeff knows that I think everything was five years ago. So in my head, it's 3DS. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which also is probably older than five years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, as the switch is like, I'm six years old, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> um, so it, it is. If you don't know anything about the game, it's kind of a dare I say roguelike dungeon crawler where you play as Pokemon, turn-based, grid-moving, top-down game, and it was fine, in my opinion. It was fine. It was fine. It was <laughs> the fun. best thing about it is those damn scarves. You take these Pokemon, you put these scarves on them. Oh my God, what an adorable little time. You have not seen a Cyndaquil until you've seen a Cyndaquil in a scarf. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why, you can just watch the trailer, but I do not think it is as indicative as playing it, especially because the demo is free. And so Tim, yes to that scarves and, and, and yes and it to this remake is so graphically beautiful. Mm -hmm. Just, Absolutely stunning, above and beyond what I think Nintendo needed to do, much like Link's Awakening. Um, Link's Awakening? Whatever the last... Yep. Yeah, Link's Awakening. Like, the way they rethought it graphically and made this game that is just, in my opinion, one of the best-looking games... I know Link's Awakening has some frame rate issues, but one of the best-looking games you know, in this console generation, and Nintendo's continued illustration of their mastery of showing that design can trump pure horsepower pokemon mystery dungeon rescue team dx the art aesthetic that they are bringing to pokemon is just stunning and you still get to put beautiful scars on them Mm -hmm. so check out the demo the gameplay again still does not really click for me um, especially as i still have content and sword that i'm enjoying and that expansion comes out soon but check it out it's a free demo and maybe you'll love the gameplay more than i do but just absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, check it out. Did you play? Have you, did you you played the GBA one? Have I played you- the original one. Um, I have not played the new one yet, but I have seen it, and you're right, it is stunning. I love that the, the I love that they decided to do something different. It doesn't look yes. like any Pokemon game or any game we've seen before. And you brought up Link's Awakening. It's it, that's such a perfect uh, thing to say because. Link's Awakening didn't need to go as hard as it did. It didn't need to be like <laughs> that's so true. It's a good way of putting it. it. It's so it's so rare that we see a kind of new art style in video games. Like, uh, uh, what was the last? It could have it could have coasted on its name. Totally, yes. <laughs> I would have yeah. bought it, and it still probably would have made my top five because it's Link's Awakening. <laughs> exactly, but but they went that hard instead. Octopath Traveler to me is another example. Like that yeah. game. When you see that art style, you're just like, oh, my God, how have we never seen this before? And uh, I wouldn't say that Mystery Dungeon's quite that, but I am impressed that they this Pikachu looks unlike Pikachu has ever looked. And that's impressive coming from a Nintendo that has not put out a Mario game that looks different from New Super Mario Brothers that came out in 2006. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bring this aesthetic to Mario. Or do, yes. Y- yeah. This is not just a ported, you know, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee or Sword to this. It, yes, it is. It's a testament to to what they've done. And yes, that's a great I, – I, I always forget that. New Super Mario Brothers is so disappointing. 
mm-hmm. and its commitment to this aesthetic that it's yeah. that it's relied on. So good though. It's still no, good. No, it's still good. So but, many of them are so good, but like having just played Mario three, like God, not to go on a tangent here, but like think back to Mario one, Mario two, Mario three, Mario so world, different. Mario world yeah. two, every single one had a unique art style and it gave character. Like we, Think about those games and give them the reverence we do because the worlds and the look had a character. Now it's just kind of all of them look like a generic cartoon. Well, you know, I think what happened is they Mickey Mouseified Mario. Yeah, and he be- he became. You know how Disney has like the the exact ratio of ear size mm-hmm. to eye size. To, they have these specifications for Mickey that are so specific because they want to control that mascot. I think. That's kind of what's happened with Mario is that he's become so much more than just a video game character that they're defining him in much more specific terms. And I think there's less room for, you know, creativity there. Frankly. Absolutely. But I've seen some weird, weird old Mario's on dreams. I'll say that. <laughs> I saw a big old lanky, weird looking Mario. And so, yeah. But check it out. Uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX. Again, it's a free demo. Uh, your save carries over to the full game if you do love it. Um, and then I will mention that I've continued on Minecraft. Thank you to people that sent recommendations as ways to get into it. I've been playing it with my brother and his son, uh, my nephew and my daughters, and we love it. We're in. We're in. So we, Are you we playing have... that Ray Trace version? No, I'm playing on uh, Xbox and or Switch, but in the shared um, universe. But we're having fun. Ray I Traced. Uh, I got attacked and exploded upon near uh, a gate that my nephew had just finished the day before. He was very disappointed with me. <laughs> and there were some good life lessons. So thank you to people that that gave me those jumping on points as how to how to plug in and I'm sticking with Minecraft. Well, I don't need to talk too much about my playlist. I'm still completely addicted to Hades. Uh, I know I'm late to the party on that game, but man, it is so good. And it's still in early access, technically. I love one of the things I love about it is is that it has this countdown to when new content is going to be added. There's like 15 days till new content, which is kind of fun. Um, it, it the, dude, the aesthetic of that game is so cool. You know, we were talking about games that don't look like other games. Hades doesn't look like any other game to me. I love the look and feel of it, and it has that bastion precision. I, ju- I do all of the weapons are co- really different. There's so many different upgrade paths and, and uh, it's just so great. It it actually, it, it doesn't just feel like a uh, action RPG roguelike, you know, it, 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 there are moments where it feels like a bullet hell shooter in that world. It, it's moment is it feels like Diablo. There's moments that it's just, it's really, really good, really good. Hades, um, playing it on PC and I, uh, I can't stop playing it. So you're probably going to it. It's steam and Epic right now. I think only, yeah, right? That's right. I sure, I'm sure it'll, when it actually actually is released, it'll be on lots of things. I can't imagine it won't be on switch at some point. It looks like a made for switch kind of experience, but, um, it's great on PC, especially in ultra wide, which I wouldn't expect because it doesn't actually support it. But it, mm. like I said last week, it, it puts, cool graphics in in the where place there would be black bars so it feels still awesome and wide and vibrant um how is it on crt <laughs> oh man we don't have time to get into that are you guys on this crt thing i oh, I, I mean i was Tim? chiming in i watched oh, it that it's incredible what, it's what are you talking about okay 
he, I, I'm about to give you. Yeah, a, I'll, I'll a tag topic you on the to, tweet thread, Austin. Okay, yeah, awesome, awesome. So all all the credit needs to go to Danish for this. Danish comes up on our show very often. He's awesome. Uh, but this is a rabbit hole that I think you and the kind of funny guys will probably go down uh, because Christian and I are going down it. It started with Digital Foundry. Digital Foundry. There are two dudes there that were doing like this retro PC thing, and they. Bought, built an old PC and we're playing old PC games on it with an old CRT monitor. And then the one of the guys, I apologize for not remembering their names, but uh, one of the guys who was doing it said, I'm going to hook up this old CRT monitor to my current awesome PC and see wow. what games look like on their CRT monitor. That's awesome. And he, dude, he realized that the technology of CRT looked bad it was because, already 120 frames back then <laughs> yes, yeah because you couldn't push games to actually take advantage of the benefit of crt and he's playing control on crt and basically what you can do is you can play control at like 1080 by 720 on crt because resolution doesn't matter because it's not about that it's not pushing pixels in the way that a lcd or oled screen is and so you can crank up all the settings, crank up everything, and then run it at 120 frames locked. And it's like butter because it updates the image in a different way than LCD and OLED does. There's no blurring. And so like these guys are falling in love with CRT monitors, these old like circa 1999, 2000. Like 2003, old, the primo the Sony. Sony. Oh yeah. my God. So, this is so – like, This surgeon- is incredible. Yes, there's this like resurgence that's happening of all these people trying to buy CRT monitors. I'm all over eBay this whole week, like looking for this Sony monitor that's now become this. It's, this it's always contested... been the holy grail. It's yeah, always yeah, been yeah. the holy grail. Yeah, but so uh, my dad has a whole attic full of CRT monitors. I'm like on the phone with him asking what he's got up there. I need to get it shipped down here. I need a number, Dad. <laughs> I need a that's I need so a bigger funny. desk because you know my desk is too small pounds. because there's no depth for these things. Yeah. They're, they're so deep and. Uh, you know, ugly. You can run your but retro games in them and your current. Ah, it's beautiful. I got it. We got to. I got to try it, dude. I'm like all over this. Uh, the CRT revolution. So uh, that's what Christian and I have been obsessing yeah, about. This, for the last this is days. rad, guys. I'm all about this type of stuff. <laughs> Fran Mirabella yeah. has that Sony TV. Oh, oh really? So I'll have to hit him up and see how we can make this. Oh, uh, you guys got to hook that up and see what it looks like, man. You got to play control on that. Thing. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's, um, you know, we're, we're already running over, but I want to read this um, email that we got a few weeks ago, and I've been pushing it episode to episode to episode, but I think um, Tim would be a great person to ask this question to. This comes to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com from Brian. Brian writes, uh, hello, Jeff, Christian, and guest. I hope 2020 is tre- treating you well. I am writing in to ask for any recommendations for a low-spec slash low-skill game that would be fun for both an experienced gamer and someone new to gaming. My father, who is entering his 60s, has lived across the country from me for about 10-plus years now, and I realize that my time with him is more precious than ever, especially after factoring in that I only get to see him about once a year. Despite the fact our relationship is great, our interests and likes, unfortunately, are very different, and we have trouble connecting. We don't like the same type of music, movies, hobbies, which in turn leads to very boring weekly check-in phone conversations of just small talk and nothing substantial or memorable. That all changed, however, when I stumbled across a game called Spy Party a couple of months ago. Spy Party has one person 
playing a spy, attending a party, and their job is to act like an NPC while trying to pull off missions like swap the statue and bug the ambassador. The other player is a sniper looking in from the outside of the party, trying to deduce who is the real person. The game has... Hmm? It's real nice. It's a very fun game. Yeah. Uh, He said the game has been great because the concept, gameplay loop, and controls were very simple and easy for my father to understand. Plus, the game ran great on his older low-end PC. I was wondering if either of you had any recommendations for me on games that both my father and I could enjoy. While Spy Party certainly is fun, I'm finding that after three months of the same game, I've been playing just to spend time with my father and not because I'm enjoying the game as much anymore. Any suggestions either of you have that would be a great replacement for my father and I to play together on PC would be very much appreciated. Thank you so much for your time and advice. I hope you have a great 2020. That comes from Brian. Spy Party so Tim, is rad. If you guys haven't played it, it is. I haven't. It's it's a it's a fun time. So, do you have anything else in that same kind of wheelhouse that would be a good? I think this is a really interesting question that I haven't seen before. It it definitely is an interesting question. Here's the thing: Uh, I'm about to give the lamest answer of all time, but (laughs) but there's some gold that comes with it. So, there's this uh, other media group out there called OK Beast. Um, and they're, they're young up and coming guys, super talented. They just kind of did their big relaunch of, um, what their 2020 is looking like. And they're launching a video game documentary series. That's more, it's, it's called why we play. And, uh, it focus, each episode focuses on one person and why they play a certain game. Uh, the first episode is out. I recommend everyone go watch it. It's fantastic. About five minutes. And it's the story of this guy, Alex Van Aken, and how he reconnected with his family through Fortnite. Oh, wow. And obviously Fortnite, it, it's kind of like we all roll our eyes. It's like, yeah, it's big and whatever. Fortnite just allows you to hang out. You know, it's a game that might be a little too complicated uh, because, you know, he has to be able to understand the whole dual stick uh, aiming and all that stuff. But if you can get over that hump, um, Fortnite's the type of game that you don't need to play the way they want you to. You can kind of just land on the island and explore and like hide and talk. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, totally. Or build or, you know, obviously play the way that it's meant to be played. But there's a reason that game is connecting with the youth as, as much as it is. And I think, I think that there is a simplicity to it that kind of gets hidden away from, from guys like us. I, I don't know how deep into Fortnite you guys are, but um shallow it but, but, <laughs> but that's the thing it's like it's it's you know we kind of look at it look at it and respect it understand how important it is in the industry but you know i i don't think that we will ever truly grasp what makes the game so special and watching this video i was like oh man there's really something there so uh i feel i feel like brian should maybe give that a shot see if his dad's up to it all right you heard it here fortnite get get in, get those skins get those skins <laughs> Uh, Christian, do you have any uh, suggestions? For I do. I will echo Tim and Fortnite, and with Fortnite two, um, going in your custom, you know, practice area and and just hanging mm. out. And yeah, it doesn't need to be competitive. You can just chill and just hang out and get into antics. And I think it's a great game for that. Um, he, he mentioned an older PC, so I don't know if this would work, but I would recommend um forza horizon three and or four if either of those mm-hmm. run just driving around driving around just listen to great music driving you can race you can separate you can find jumps you can just look for billboards um really really great game this one's the online of this is disappointing which is disappointing but if you can see your dad um 
I think Mario Party, I know that people hate Mario Party. I, uh, I apologize to you that hate it. But even the Switch, Mario Party is a very good, it's not a good game to like, I'm going to play this for five hours, you know, me solo Mario Party. Yeah. It's a very good game to get in front of people where what you're doing isn't playing Mario Party, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You know? It's like you have chips and dip on the table, not because that's your meal. That's what brings people together. And then I eat all of them. Um, <laughs> that's, what, that's what Mario Party is. That's great. I think that's a great one. And then the last one is what I'm, again, the people have known it for years and I'm very new to it and understanding it. But Minecraft, I am playing that with my brother and, and my nephew. Um, we play, we we have FaceTime going so we can see each other and you can do the, that's how we are chatting instead of connecting via headsets or whatever. Um but we're on a shared um, world and building and playing together. And it's a type of thing where you don't even need to do survival if you don't want to have the threat and you can just build. And it's the same thing where so much of that game now is explained because it's been around for forever. But the game itself is, is beautiful in how it asks you to figure it out. And it's, it's in just a way that makes sense, but it doesn't show you. It's like, Oh, I'm building an ax. So I need wood and, metal okay this makes sense but it doesn't tell you like we got to turn this raw wood raw wood into planks and then you got to build a craft he's like it's a lot of exploration so i would encourage him and his dad if they go the minecraft route to just be in the world hmm. and, and figure that stuff out and i i think they'd really love it i love how you guys all your uh, your suggestions are the same if it was a an eight-year-old that they were he was trying to relate to. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just bring people together for someone who's a non-gamer. If if no, it's great. His dad's no, a better Mario gamer. Party, Battlefield, Minecraft, Mario Party, Minecraft, and Fortnite. Gotta <laughs> love it. My, Forza, <laughs> Forza. Uh, uh, I have I have a suggestion. Oh, sorry. Go. The, the, the other ones are competitive. So if he's if he starts to get into things more, then I would go Rocket League. Then I would do mm. Battlefield because it's big enough to get lost on your own, but you feel like mm. you're part of something. Rocket League seems like a pretty great suggestion just in the sense of it's so clear and simple yeah and everybody gets the idea of of soccer and everybody gets the idea of driving a car yeah that's true and then i would do sports games uh my favorite are the baseball games but those games are also long enough that you get to feel like you're having a conversation and people you get to play your role um and you could play either head to head or you could be on the same team and i think those are but they're much more sports games i think are people talk use Fortnite as an example of a complicated game sports games are hard now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're not what they used to be i i have a a, a pretty intense uh suggestion but I, I i'm and i'm making some assumptions about brian's dad because i'm assuming he's like my dad uh if not an addict full of Brian. crt tvs <laughs> yeah a, a guy who likes solving puzzles and using his mind and probably you know would be into video games if it was more about just sort of thinking about stuff and talking about stuff this is an interesting i think i think this is a great suggestion it's not actually a multiplayer game. Return of the Obra Dinn. Mm. Play that with your dad. Get on Skype or Discord or something and both have it loaded. It, it can run on very low spec machine. It's not about Twitch or frame rate or anything like that. It's just thinking stuff through, having conversations. What do you think? What, what, you know, what, what did you observe from there? Let's try to figure that out. Who was that guy? How did he die? It is Return of the Obra Dinn is a masterpiece, but it is also, I think, a wonderful game to play with multiple people because you can two heads are better than one. And you're just trying to figure stuff out, put together connections, make stuff happen. And you could be in different parts of the ship at different times and being talking to each other about, oh, is that guy this that this guy? Or 
I think that could be a really, really fun game to play with your dad. If it's anything like my dad, uh, if he's anything like my dad, then then I think it could be fun. I wonder if The Witness would fall into that also. Yeah, I think The Witness is a little more single player-y because it's hard to describe mm. you have to, like, screen the share path. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Tim Geddes, it is always such a delight to talk to you, man. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me, man. I, I really love you guys. Uh, and uh, next time you're in SF, we got it. Like, let's plan it. Let's hang out. <laughs> oh, Dale, it's fine. That's how things work. I end up there for other reasons, and that's how that's how the world works. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure people uh, are familiar with a lot of the things you do, but why don't you? Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the stuff that's happening at Kind of Funny. You know, a cool thing we've been doing is uh, our series in review over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny. We go through movie franchises week to week. Uh, we've done Fast and Furious. We've done Mission Impossible. We've done uh, the MCU, the X-Men movie, Spider-Man. We're currently, unfortunately, doing uh, the DCEU. And uh, I will say it's it's been a fun time going back and watching these movies for the first time since they were in theaters so close to each other because you know what they're not that bad (laughs) not that bad Uh, go check out our reviews over there very cool christian spicer what do you got going on this week uh you can find out shows i'm doing in la at spicer on twitter i usually book most of those week of so that's where that will be um i'm open to your hot softball tips again thank you to those we had some great ones come in last year i am uh assistant coaching my daughter's team again this year this year everybody it is kid pitch so i'm gonna Uh try to coach my daughter to be a little a little craig biggio back before the astros cheated and biggio was the most no dude Use those, use those cheats. You gotta well, use those cheats. Well, that's that's for later when she can hit. Right now, I'm telling her to wear an elbow pad and lean in. You know, we're, <laughs> we're getting on base, however you can. Uh, but no, sincerely, I if you have, I've looked around online, but if anyone has a daughter and has gone through softball and tips on pitching and stuff like that, I'm sure the the head coach on our team this year is great. But I would love uh, pointers that the community could send in. And uh, I usually stream this show uh, on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer Sundays at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time. Um, And if you're not around for that, it's almost going to be St. Jude Play Live season again. And I will be streaming to support St. Jude um, again this year. And as um, uh, cancer was a thing that uh, was part of my family this year. So uh, it's as this year as every year. Um, I will be doing that again. So uh, that will be showing that on Twitch. And uh, that's all for right now. Jeff, what about you? You can always follow me on Twitter at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. We love getting your emails here to the show about any topic, whether it's a review of a video game that you want to hear us talk about that we're not talking about or comment about what we're doing or question you have. Quick question. Otherwise, we love getting all that stuff to DLC feedback at gmail.com. Also have some other shows that I do that you can check out. I talk about movies and video games on the Slash Filmcast, which you can find at slashfilmcast.com or by searching for Slash Filmcast anywhere you get podcasts. And I do the Dungeon Run, which is my live play Dungeons and Dragons show. Very, very proud of that show. I was actually out last week because I was in Hawaii, but we had a really cool guest DM. Todd Stashwick came in and ran the, ran the team through a one-shot sort of side quest thing with new characters. It's really cool. Uh, you can check that out. And then I'll be back this Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run to pick up the episode the week before last. 
we had war. The, the The team was in a war between orcs and dwarves. It's one of the coolest episodes we've done. Check it out on YouTube. You can find it uh, by searching for The Dungeon Run on YouTube or as an audio podcast. Works that way too. Um, the Dungeon Run, anywhere you get podcasts. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Tim, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? So here's the thing. This is a horrible suggestion, but if <laughs> there will be a group of people that absolutely love it. So I don't know what you guys' stance is on reality TV. Um, but me and my fiance absolutely addicted to the bachelor bachelorette bachelor in paradise, the whole bachelor nation of shows because bachelor nation. for, for what, for, you know, people have their thoughts on what they are and they are those things in many ways, but they're also exquisitely produced television. And as a, a video guy, I just love seeing the editing. I love seeing like how ridiculous it all can get. There's another Tim show. hates the editing. I heard him say it last night at dinner. <laughs> like that'd be the edit right oh exactly right um there's a show called the circle that even if you're not into the bachelor even if you're not into anything like that and that turns you off the circle is an interesting reality show on netflix where uh there are eight people put into like they each get their own like apartment and they can only speak to each other through a social media platform called the circle and oh my God. The, I saw this at the dentist office the, in the lobby of the dentist office. The goal, Sorry, go ahead. the goal is uh, to, by the end of the show, be voted the most liked person of the eight. And if you if you win, you get a hundred thousand dollars, whatever. The thing that makes this interesting is you never see the other people. You only talk over the social media platform, so you can be someone else. So people <laughs> will catfish and will like use different pictures to say who they are. Wow. And it becomes this fascinating social experiment of are you going to be who you are? Are you going to be someone else? What strategy works best? But all that aside, because I know this still might not sound interesting at all. What I want to give this show credit for is it's not great. It doesn't do anything (laughs) super unique. It doesn't do it. Like, honestly, watching it all, it doesn't get better. If you watch the first episode, that's what it is over and over and over. But it's the closest I've ever found a show to replicating the experience of scrolling through Instagram. It's not good content. <laughs> it's not good content at all, but we're addicted to it. We love it. We wake up. It's the first thing we want to do. And they turned that into an hour long show and I'm here for it. <laughs> I like how uh, in Mass oh, Effect, amazing. 92% of players were Paragon. We're on the circle. 100% were renegade jerks. You know? <laughs> well, no, so that's, like, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it, but I will say, I was surprised at how wholesome it is. Hmm. Uh, it, it, I would say that it's a similar thing where it. I would say it's ninety-two percent good. <laughs> wow! Who knew? Uh, that's the circle on Netflix. Christian Spicer, you got a parting gift. I do. Uh, everyone that listens to this show, if you have the. Uh, Resources to do so. I forget. Maybe it was thirty dollars, fifty dollars, something around there. I could look it up, but I, I didn't, and I apologize for that. I would highly recommend you go and buy the Spider-Man script book. It is oh, from yeah. Insomniac. You seen it? Yeah, Greg got it. It is. It's the coolest book I've ever seen. Like I can't it's, believe they have all of that. It's phenomenal. So it's it's the Spider-Man script book. It's Insomniac Spider-Man, and the, I, 
they say in the forward that it's probably the first time a video game script has been released like this. I can't think of any, I'm trying to think if a last of us or uncharted has a script come out. I don't think so. And I would trust that they did their research. So it is a big, beautiful coffee table kind of sized book. Um, and it is, it's the golden path through insomniacs, Marvel's sorry, Marvel Spider-Man by insomniac for PlayStation. And so it doesn't have every side conversation, every, you know, everything like that, but like the main story is there with incredible art and illustrations and photos and a really great forward. It is a phenomenal compilation and to have this thing come out and to have that no one has really done this before. And one, the story of that game is really good. Their version of these characters is truly phenomenal. So if you love that game or you like comics or um, are kind of curious about writing for games or screenwriting, it's it's a phenomenal package. And it's the Spider-Man script book. Um, hardcover is available right now, and, and I cannot recommend it high enough. Man, I didn't even know this was happening. I'm, it's, I'm it's so excited about it. stunning, this. Jeff. It is absolutely cool. stunning. Wow. Uh, well, we got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Chris. Chris says, hey, guys, I've been, uh, I have a parting gift for you or a reparting gift. Christian once recommended the band Oh Wonder. I'm still grateful for this. And they just released a new album, No One Can Wear Your Crown. It's heartbreaking and head-warming at the same time. I don't know if he meant to say heartwarming. But he said head warming, which I would prefer. It's heartbreaking and head warming at the same time. And I am not embarrassed to say that it's one of the most beautiful albums of the last years for me. It's very with good. Their song, with their songs, they, oh wonder, make my, and I hope not only mine, world a better place. I'm sh- sure you agree with this, Christian. It's a very good album. It, it is a very good album. And it, yes, I would highly recommend checking it out. It is lovely. Again, this is uh, No One Can Wear Your Crown by the band oh wonder um sorry my party no w- one else can wear your crown oh all right no one else can wear your crown. i'm looking at it right now yeah no one else can wear your crown by a wonder it came out this month i believe february 2020 it's very good all right no one else can wear your crown okay it makes more sense my parting gift is the new Pixar movie Onward that I got a chance to see early it comes out I think next week or the week after I think next week um but it's great I mean it's Pixar so it's gonna be great and what I particularly like about this one is it's basically about all the things that I have in my head all the time, which is Dungeons and Dragons and fathers and sons. <laughs> Cause I have a, a three-year-old son. I also have a daughter, but she's, you know, pre-verbal at this point. So there's a lot of talking to my son right now. And, uh, and it's about, you know, two brothers that go on an epic quest uh, that is basically Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, they do it with such charm. It's really funny and fun. Uh, it's sort of Dungeons and Dragons in the modern world ish with like fairies and trolls and centaurs and stuff. It's great. I highly recommend it. So if you didn't have this one on your radar, I would put it on your radar. If you're into Dungeons and Dragons and you like, I mean, it's, it's typical Pixar where it hits you in the feels as well in, in the best possible way. So don't let on, I feel like onward somehow has snuck up on everybody and it isn't having the same kind of, hype that a toy story sequel would or some other Pixar movie has in the past, but don't, don't sleep on onward. It's, it's quite great. I liked it a lot. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Tim Geddes and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L, Sean Madigan and zero star for those cool bumpers. Uh, and thank you 
to each and every one of you who downloaded the show and listen. We appreciate you. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.